0: Welcome back to Boilers Extra. I'm Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier. He's Mike Carmen from the Journal and Courier. Wearing the headphones today, we're, we're breaking him in on uh, more producing duties here as we <laughs> go forward into the the 2019 football season.
1: This is frightening stuff.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're the you're the backup quarterback wearing the headset and uh, running am. in signs and soon to soon to jump into the
1: game though because <laughs> uh, you won't be here.
0: Well, that
1: is. You broke your news yesterday on Twitter. That is happening, yes. And elsewhere, uh, social media. So for those that haven't caught it, bring everyone up to date on your situation.
0: Yeah, this will be one of my final editions of Boilers Extra. I'm going to be heading east in the Big Ten to cover Ohio State football for Cleveland.com. For those who may have heard of uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, that's the same uh, same company. This is the, the, the digital arm of it. And um, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be obviously um, a challenge, and uh, but also um, there's some really great journalists there, just like I've been able to work with here. And I'm I'm kind of eager to to jump in the mix and and start working with them.
1: Nah, it's a great move for you. You've re- you've paid your dues. Um, you've done excellent work here across the board, starting in high schools and then Purdue men's basketball and also Purdue football and other Purdue sports as well as. And other community stories that have popped up occasionally. I mean, you've you've been uh, you've been it. You've done a great job, and uh, it's a uh, it's a good advancement. And uh, uh, you'll do great. And uh, hopefully, in twenty twenty one, when Purdue plays Ohio <laughs> State, one of us, maybe both of us, will still <laughs> be covering our respective uh, programs at that point. Or
0: neither one of us might be around for that game. We can have a reunion. Spoilers extra in the (laughs) house stadium press box or in your your, car car outside. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, I screwed up my social media announcement and I even sent it to my fiance ahead of time, who also is a reporter. And, uh, I said something about, I've been here since 2015. It's actually 2005. Um, I've been here for, um, what, how many, see
1: about 14, Joe Tiller was
0: still here when I came. So I've been here for now. This is my. Fourth Purdue football administration, right? Um, and and all sorts of changes across the high school sports landscape from when I was was doing that prior to, to covering Purdue sports, but um, it, it's been um, I've been started having a lot of conversations, and and after I made that announcement, um, just a lot of people reaching out to me, um, some of them about you know covering high school sport or covering should say Purdue sports, Purdue basketball here for the last few years, but then also just former high school athletes reaching out to me and, um, you know, wishing me luck and, and congratulations on and stuff. So uh, that's been really gratifying. It's been really fun to, to reconnect with those people. And, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss this area. It's been, I've lived here longer than I had lived anywhere, except I guess, growing up, um, back home, central Illinois. So to be here, you know, 14 years is a pretty significant part of my life. And, uh, We'll, we'll see what happens next.
1: No, this is—I I believe this is a fertile ground for stories, not just Purdue stories, but you yes. know, our community in general. And we, even when you get past the the high school ranks, when you have when we had the Cold World Series here for for many many years, and other events that would trickle its way into town, and just stories that happen—you know, the Men's City Golf and other other things that happen throughout the the course of the year. I this is a this is a fertile ground for. To cover sports, I mean it just it just is, and part of it is because you are in a Big Ten community, yeah, and that helps. But you know, I, I've always I've always thought that since I started at the paper as a freelancer more than 30, 30 years ago, I got you beat by two football yeah. coaches. So, by the so, way, so two thousand five doesn't seem like that long
0: ago <laughs> to you. Um, I was just like no. in the heyday for me <laughs> at that point. No, I agree, and it's it's you know I came here um, to cover high school sports and. Um, you know was really excited to hear just how good the baseball was going to be in this area you know getting to cover high school baseball with that being always been my favorite sport and um, you know the football that's that's played here is uh, at the, especially at the small school level has been tremendous since i've been here with central catholic and west Lafayette. yet and um, the first summer the first winter i was here first basketball season central catholic girls go on and win a state championship which was i so that kind of spoiled me right off the bat that you got to experience something like that and Um, And then transitioning up into covering, you know, Purdue sports and, you know, I came in and Purdue immediately finished last in the Big Ten. And so I'm kind of thinking, you know, (laughs) what have I walked into here? But, you know, uh, but that was also at the same time they were bringing in now what is now kind of a storied class of of guys who who turn things around and to to be able to be around and document that the last four years and, and get to work with. Um, you know, I think Chris Foreman throughout the Big Ten is a really respected SID. Matt Painter is a good coach as far as dealing with the media. That whole staff really is uh, you know, accessible and sane, and you can't say that. Both of those things or sometimes even one of those things about most of the coaching staffs that, um, from what I hear from other people. So, um, yeah, it's been a great experience, and um, I look forward to the times when I'll get drawn back to West Lafayette, although from a football standpoint, that's not going to be for – A while. Right. 2023, maybe.
1: Maybe. I I don't. I can't remember. I looked at 2021 today, and that's because somebody in the office had a question about next year's football schedule, and I just happened to notice that uh, uh, Purdue goes to Ohio State uh, in 2021. Uh, You know, we'll do another podcast probably next week as uh, Purdue wraps up camp, so uh, more time to reminisce uh, (laughs) then. Uh, But the purpose of this one is to kind of – Take the pulse of uh, Purdue football training camp after um, five practices. They uh, they practiced three times last week Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They practiced twice this week so far. They take uh, Wednesday off, and then uh, they'll get back at it Thursday, Friday. They'll have a closed scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, so we'll be at the mercy of whatever Jeff Brown wants to tell us happened in that scrimmage. We're not nobody. Nobody other than uh, team personnel will be able to watch that. So you know, we just have to filter through whatever they want to tell us what happened uh in that scrimmage, and they usually don't reveal uh a whole lot unless something um unless Jeff's not happy, then you can <laughs> then you kind of get can an idea exactly the easily. yeah the lines on his forehead yeah he, he he uh he had an outburst today uh with his quarterbacks, which was extremely entertaining for the <laughs> for the time that it happened. uh I can read you the quote here. I can't say it in the exact same uh, voice, but I can read you the quote that I use. It's like, uh, "Not one of you can throw it, could throw the ball accurately behind the line of scrimmage." If I was a wide receiver, I'd I'd say we should run the ball. <laughs> that is about as uh, was damning more, as... there was more to it. Uh, there were not any cuss words in any of it. But he, he st- what he likes to do when he gets really bad is say that stop turn around, walk a little bit, and then get right back into it again. Hmm. And And the quarterbacks were off doing some, some, some sort of drill. And he's like halfway across the field still yelling at them. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's walking between the practice fields, and everybody just kind of gets out of the way. And then he goes to the stands. Nobody's going to approach him at this point. He's just blowing off steam. You can tell he's looking at his play sheet. He wants to say something else, but he doesn't. So it was – it was entertaining. It was not quite at the level of his uh, second or third day here when he unleashed a tirade of words that had never been heard in that <laughs> complex before. It was quite entertaining, but he uh, he kept it all clean today. But he wanted to get his point across. I think the, the quarterbacks were <laughs> a little bit more accurate after that. They were having trouble like just throwing the ball, short passes to like running backs or slot guys or tight ends kind of behind the line of scrimmage. And they were throwing the ball behind them, interrupting their stride and just – it was not a, a good start to practice for the quarterbacks today.
0: It seems he he uniquely, I think, has a good perspective on because he is a quarterback. So I think, you know, in every every coach talks about these. So Matt Painter has talked about how he's tougher on point guards than he is on other positions sometimes. And part of it is because of the responsibilities, but part of it is because he was a point guard and, and He'll he'll say he wasn't a very good one, but he was a pretty there'll, good one. There'll and be he, a lot of people that will agree with him on that. <laughs> well, but he he was good enough to, to play a lot of minutes at a Big Ten University. And but he knew the where career. the ball needed to go he knew his, and his name was G Rob. <laughs> yes, that's that's actually a good point as well. Uh, but but and I think and Brahm I think is it's interesting to me to watch guys like that operate because I think he probably knows what it's like to to be yelled at and to have a a coach up you know um, up in your grill coming down your throat <laughs> like that yeah at the same time um, the the balance between the cerebral side of things and that more because he it's something I think he's we've seen him maybe adapt a little bit over just his time at Purdue as far as how fiery to be and and when to kind of unleash those things you know he was still a relatively young head coach at the time that he took over Purdue and now going into his third season, I think you're going to start to see probably, I don't think he's ever going to not be fiery, especially on game days, but I think you're probably going to start to see over time, as we've seen with pretty much every other coach who kind of has had that at times fiery reputation, you'll start to see a a change happen in him. I'm not going to call it a maturation. I think it's more just a knowing when to pick your spots. Um, and I think you've already seen that over the course of, if you go all the way back to his playing career, his personality has changed somewhat in becoming the man he is now.
1: Well, he's just, whatever happens to him when he steps between the white lines and he gets on the field, it's, it's you know, we've seen it for three years now, coming up on three years, that there's just a change in the guy. I mean, I, I remember you go back, um, it was the, I want to say the first home game in 2017 against Ohio. You know, they blew him out. But a play happened because I I noticed it when I went back and watched the game that he's yelling at one of he's yelling at somebody on the Purdue sideline might have been one of his assistant coaches and might
0: have been one of his <laughs> blood relatives <laughs>
1: <laughs> now one of them in the booth that's true he, yeah. the other one uh, anyway he 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 was going You're saying on, that no,
0: nobody's immune you nobody be, yeah. Yeah. yeah no he's
1: I've seen him go into you know tearing to Brian and. Not bad an eye, uh but he'd yelled at somebody on the sideline, and that person just kind of walked away, and it was just Jeff standing there, and he was still like yelling. I don't think he was yelling at anybody he was just kind of <laughs> blowing off his steam yeah and but something happens to that guy when he gets on the field in a competitive situation once practice is over, and all that I think he he turns it off, and he's uh he's mr. Jeff Brom. but he, he his his competitive juices really get flowing when he's out there, and that's you know that's something we talked about before. But that's just who he is, and I think you need that at times, uh, especially in this type of program where um, you're not you're not filled with talent from top to bottom, and you're going to have to motivate people. and And if he gets a sense that people are starting to relax a little bit, then he's gonna he's gonna get into them.
0: You know, it's one of the just the fascinating things about athletic competition to me, especially at at this level, because you can have. You, you have to have a certain amount of that, that thing where, you know, the competition changes you, you, you know, your competitiveness comes through in a different level, especially when you're playing at, at this um, at, with the stakes like this and at, at a high level like this. But at the same time, you still have to have that cerebral side. You still have to be able to, to operate within those systems. And then I think especially for a quarterback, that becomes a bit of a tricky thing. Your quarterback has to be the cool, calm, collected guy on the field, in, in ways even more so than the coach does, because um, you have to have a short memory, you have to be able to regroup for the next play and execute it without being distracted, blinded by the emotions of the play before that. So, I'm curious in, in as we watch Brom continue to, um, we want to say mentor these quarterbacks, because the first two that he's had in Brom and Sendelar were already, especially in the case of, uh, or I'm sorry, Blau and Sendelar, especially in the case of Blau already pretty fully formed by the time he came along. I'm not saying he didn't have an influence on him, but David Blau kind of was who he was by the time Jeff Brom got here. And Sinalar was obviously already in the program too. And now with some of these younger guys, how many of them will, will this personality kind of influence them as they grow into the junior, senior quarterbacks? I,
1: I would say that he had a tremendous influence on David Blau, even though David was – you know, had had played, had experience, but uh, you saw the turnovers go really, you know, going down. And mm-hmm. that, you know, to me, that's a lot. You know, a lot of it has to do with the throws, but it's also des- decision making. Yeah. And you know, as you as you know, because you were around, uh, whatever the year he had. 25 some odd turnovers. He
0: threw a lot of yards for a lot of yards and touchdowns in a very inefficient way. Right. And a lot of that is produced behind. He's trying to make a yes. play. Yes. Um, and offensive line was suspect. Right. At so you, you're, um,
1: you know, some of those numbers get skewed a little bit, yep. but the, they were real and it happened. And then once I think Jeff came in, David kind of, you know, just made better decisions. And I think you saw last year, um, Probably the full potential what David could do in this situation. Now you, he didn't have the weapons that the S- Sindelars should have this year with the freshman receivers. He had Rondell Moore, but Rondell wasn't surrounded by a Milton Wright or potentially David Bell and a Mershon Rice and some other guys that that are going to be that should be playing uh, this year. But uh, yeah, he'll have he'll, he'll continue to have a great influence on these quarterbacks. And you know, Jack Plummer's going to be the the, the first one that he's going to have uh, from start to finish. But as I said, they've, uh, they've been through five, uh, five practices. Um, there's not really, to me, one big storyline out of practice so far other than the uh, still haven't seen David Bell. He's still dealing with a hamstring, hamstring injury. Rondo Moore's been out. He's only practiced twice. Rondo Moore says he's fine and that, he's got more coaching cliches than coaches when it comes to this stuff. And, you know, if he was fine, he'd be practicing. And some of it is just managing and maintenance, and I get that because Rondell doesn't need to be 100% on August uh, the 6th. He needs to be ready to go on August 30th, and he's a guy you're not going to have any questions about uh, when you get to that first game. But, you know, you worry how long David Bell will be out and Marshawn Rice still hasn't – um practice other than maybe Thursday and part of Friday. Uh, so, and these are these are guys, especially the two freshmen that they have been counting on uh, to uh, to play for them this year. You know, Lorenzo Neal still hasn't practiced. Um, there's there's some other guys that are still still out. Uh, you know, Giovanni Rivera went out the other day. He hasn't he hasn't got back to practice. Kai Higgins went out yesterday. He did not practice today. So you're you're piling up some injuries on a, in a
0: on a roster that doesn't have a lot of depth to begin with. And well, I mean, not only it's not just the depth thing, but those are you're na- you're naming guys who are the critical guys for whether this team is successful this year or not. Right. You need yeah. You need all your pieces in place to to these make these are frontline guys.
1: Run. Yeah, they're frontline guys. I don't, but I also don't think any any injury that they've sustained at this point would, want, would is one that would keep them out for the season. Uh, it's just you you're dealing with some tricky injuries with hamstrings and you know some other stuff, but uh, there's no from what i've seen no no season ending injury yet yeah. that's going to keep somebody out. I think David Bell eventually gets out on the field, but is he going
0: to be able to get out on the field and be prepared and ready to go for that first game? This is where the tricky thing of, of reporting on camp kind of comes into play sometimes because it's it's definitely newsworthy that these injuries happen. But they're also happening in um, behind. There's a certain amount of this that's happening behind closed doors. How much of is you know the fact that some of these guys don't practice the next day is because they couldn't, and how much of it is because it's August sixth and they would rather be they don't need to right. They would rather be cautious with the injury than not. And then you sort of watch that develop over the course of camp. I remember I think it was 2016 um, where Dewan Hunt had gotten banged up or during camp and it just kind of kept lingering and lingering. And then all of a sudden now, and then it started to grow in importance because they had no other quarterbacks to play for that team. And I don't think he was ready for the start of the season. I think it was one that lingered into the first few weeks of that year. And um, it was an issue. So it is something to keep an eye on, but I would caution the people who are reading and listening. um, It's one of those things where don't overreact to any, given day, especially this early in camp. I
1: I think you start really paying attention to it about 10 days before the first game. Yeah. Uh, Because they're going to get through this week of camp, and then they have next week of camp, and they'll probably start scaling back reps at the end of uh, the second week of camp. And then they'll have a week where school starts, they'll still practice, but that, you know, you're almost – you're probably starting game week mode at some point that week, in part because you're playing a day earlier than you normally would, and then you're, they're leaving a day earlier than what you would normally do for a road game, hmm. so they've, you know, their schedule has to be such. But you know, around August twentieth or so, or at the end of camp, we'll see who's out there if we're allowed to go to practice, uh, and uh, go from there. And then, you know, hopefully the the major players are, are there. Uh, because I think you know Purdue needs all of its weapons to, in order to, to go to Nevada and and win a game. I mean they they can't be uh, severely uh, shorthanded going on the road uh, in that kind of environment and, and expect uh, expect to win. Even though Purdue's a nine-point favorite right now, which is you know kind of a sizable number to, to cover. But um, you know Purdue needs all all of its people. But you know Camp has been you know we had a we had a fight today. Probably the best <laughs> fight of camp uh, between Grant Hermans and Anthony Watts, and uh, it was a nice little free for all. I don't think anybody landed a punch, but a lot of a lot of players got involved and were pulling players off. And it, it appeared that Her- Hermans was going to go, you know, make amends in this thing with with Watts, and he, he approached Watts afterwards, and Watts is kind of shooting away like a fly and. Then they had, you know, then they had to go to their corners and stuff. And what, you know, I, I'm not going to get in Herman's mind, but he was, you know, he's a captain now. Right. He got involved in this scuffle. You know, was he being the captain, and saying, "Okay, we're good now," or was he was he uh, igniting another fire, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> or so to speak? But they've had some camp stuff, which happens, and it's it's okay. It's part of it, and it's, it's good. football, man. It's it, football. It's a uh, it's a it's a hard game, and. And you, you know, you, you tempers fly. Everybody's trying to win a job. You get, the other thing with this camp, more than his other, uh, uh, the first two combined under Jeff Baum, there's more competition here because the freshmen are better. The, they're more talented, and everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. So, people are, um, you know, people's uh, guys' jo- jobs are on the line. There, you know, guys who think they're starters, you know, may not be starters uh, because of of the freshmen. So you have an increased level of competition. But I, I wouldn't, as of this point, I wouldn't say that we've seen more extracurricular activity than normal mm. after five practices. I, I don't think it's out of whack. That's just, and today was the first day of full pad, so you, you had a little bit more contact happening. You had some more, some more tackling, just some more hitting going on. Uh, so, and who knows what these uh, – um, Guys have been talking about in the locker room since they started camp and what trash, they're, well yeah, what trash they're throwing at what, who's throwing down the gauntlet, to whom at dinner, or whatever. But yeah. you know, it's part of it is competitive. But you know, everybody's everybody's uh, got their ego involved. But uh, so far, so good
0: uh, on that on that front. All right. So we've checked off the best quote of the camp and the best fight of the camp. Five days in, five practices in. Um, speaking of position battles, is there, is there one that really kind of has your eye right now is like a head to head position battle that is going to potentially really impact one of these lineups.
1: Um, I have to think about it. So Give me, give me a moment uh, to go through this on the spot, on the spot, uh, kind of uh question there. Um, as I, as I, as I go through, um, the positions, you know, th- there are battles, um, uh, you know the 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 one question is Milton Wright's been really impressive as a receiver, an outside receiver. Mm. I mean, he's been impressive enough that he'll play and he should start right now. Um, I guess um, where where does he fit in the receiver mix right now? I would say he would be starting, uh, but but can, can he maintain that through the rest of camp? He's made some great catches. He, he he knows how to get up there and get it get a ball out of the air. Um, and he's big enough, and he's physical enough, and he's tough enough to to, to ward off uh, uh, defenders. Um, you know, the offensive line, um, you know, I don't they, – they've used the same lineup for four days. Now, whether this is going to be the lineup they used when they started in Nevada, you don't know yet. Right. Uh, I think they're pretty well set at center with Victor Beach, and then the two tackles. And then guards have been D.J. Washington and Alex Crittle. but there's been really no – the rotation on the on the first unit type of line. The only changes they've made in practice is that Will Bramble will will go to center and then Victor Beach will go to right guard. Um, I just probably getting another center ready to go in case something happens to Victor or something happens to a guard where right. Victor has to move over type of thing. But as far as, you know, a, a key number one position, you know, running back is interesting. Um, you know, I think, you know, I thought Tario would be your number one, but Horvath was kind of involved early. Um, you know, the, uh, the freshmen, uh, Jawan Hewitt and uh, King Daru, um, I don't know if they've made a big move yet in camp uh, to, to, to really get, in, uh, get into that situation. So, um, you know, there's not – I don't know if there's really one. You know, then you look at the defensive side. You know, they're trying to build some depth on the defensive line. Uh, you know, Lorenzo hasn't practiced, so you've been able to get a lot of bodies in there. Um, but, you know, George Carloft George is going to start at one defensive end. Derek Barnes is going to be the Leo. Your linebackers are set, especially if you're a nickel, because you're going to have Marcus Bailey and Ben Holt uh, as your two linebackers. Your nickel is going to be uh, Simeon Smiley. Your secondary um, right now at the corners would be Kenneth Major and uh, uh, Dietrich Mackey. Safety, um mom Mosley will be one. I guess there is some question uh, from the competition standpoint for a starting job whether Jalen Graham is ready to start at, at one of the safety spots. Brennan Brennan Thieneman uh, would be would be in the mix, and then you have you have Corey Trice. So you have some, you have some unanswered questions in the back half a little bit as far as starting. But all those guys and you know Marvin Grant too. Once he gets back healthy, he's a guy that's going to get in there and play. But you know I don't. That was a long way to long way to uh, well, answer, try to answer your question, which I don't know if there's like one position where it's
0: uh, mono mono every 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 day. Right, but I think there's there's something to be said for that being a potentially positive step. I mean, there have been times, even under Braum, where just the the roster makeup was such that you were like, well, if it's it's not this guy or this guy that's starting at that position, then. Holy, Holy cow! cow. Like what, <laughs> what? What are they possibly going to do? And and you're always it seems like it could be one injury away sometimes in some of these positions from just a, a catastrophe. Right. And I'm and you're starting to see that lessened here over time. You're starting to see where you can plausibly talk about three different guys starting at just one safety spot. And having one guy there that is like a veteran who you really count on and is locked maybe down maybe that other spot like the, those sorts of developments are positive I know they sometimes probably seem glacial to a fan base where it's but I, I think those things are important things to keep an eye on that you're starting to see that second layer that third layer of, of quality build into this program the way it wasn't even when they were winning games here the last couple of years
1: now if you don't have Lorenzo Neal for your, for your opener then you do create yeah. a situation where who who's going to be your, your second starting defensive tackle.
0: Well, and it's especially yeah. problematic with some of these other names you're talking about that have missed some practice. Right. If that G- lingers, yeah, now you're in Giovanni
1: Rivera has, has moved inside, uh, but he hasn't been practicing yet. Jeff Marks, uh, Lawrence Johnson made a nice interception today, probably had the play of the day where he picked off a screen pass. I mean, I'm not going to say he got himself in position to get the ball. It was basically thrown to him and he caught it, which – is always kind of a remarkable feat by a defensive lineman who's not used to catching a catching a ball. But there, there, if you don't have Neil, okay, who steps in there? How does that rotation work then? Um, so, you know, I, I think they, I think as of right now, at least based on what I've been able to see, um, they got a pretty good handle who their starters are going to be. And as we talked about before, you know, starting at wide receiver, starting at uh, maybe in the secondary, uh, starting in some other spots is really not a big deal because it's all based on what is your first play on offense or are you in nickel or are you in just base coverage on defense, which you're going to start three linebackers or you're going to start two linebackers and have a nickel. So, you know, starts get get a little out of whack at that point. You just I don't think they, they have as much meaning, but as you brought up quarterbacks and offensive line, are probably the two, and you know, I think defensive line would be there too. Uh, are, are the big where you look at okay, how many games have these, these guys started, and you know yeah. what, what has been their
0: impact in those games? Those are just the two positions where you tend to not, and I, you could probably put the secondary in this too. Yeah, but where there just really isn't a rotation um, mindset. Like there's, you know, in football you rotate your defensive line, you rotate your running backs, typically you'll rotate your receiver position groups you know those sorts of things but you don't necessarily see it as much with with quarterback and offensive line do you take anything from the fact that you're seeing those same offensive linemen every day right now and because it, it, whether or not they, it, it sort of tells you that they're the ones that they trust the most right now but then there's also the second the added bonus of the more those guys work together work as a unit together there's a familiarity that can kind of build in a way that they probably necessarily weren't able to for instance, last season when they weren't all playing together on right. a, on a no, snap I, by snap no, I mean, basis. I
1: think the takeaway is that you're right. They trust these five right now, um, and they do – the two guards in particular do bring something from a physical standpoint that uh, that uh, Brom and Dell Williams are looking for, but they're not all the way up to speed on what to do. So there's still a learning curve for these guys. But, you know, you're going to – based on what, they're, what they've done in recruiting and development on the offensive line, you're going to have a group of guys that are good at being physical but maybe are not as quick to learn. You don't have perfect offensive linemen here. Right. And you're going to have to live with the weaknesses and deficiencies of, of some of these guys. And the other, you know, other piece to this, too, is Mark Stickford is out probably for a considerable amount of time. Who was in who was in the running to, to be one of the guards uh, so it doesn't look like he'll be available for the first game or maybe uh, maybe deeper into the first month of the season so that that definitely hurts their depth and uh, but yeah you know there's they are building some chemistry being together for this for this long but you know at the end of this week are they still there and then we're not going to see him again yeah you know, I hope we get to see them once school starts and find out if they're still there. But there's a chance we may not see, be able to see practice or see what's happening until – they show up at Nevada on August thirtieth.
0: Yeah, which is, by the way, as we've talked about it's, before, that's kind of the standard anymore. Right. I mean, we, the, what we, you had a couple of years ago at Purdue, where we were able to literally watch every single minute of that they did on on certain it's days. Not the norm. Um, it's not the norm without <laughs> if college football. You're going to football. a program that doesn't allow, doesn't allow <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> I've actually I've actually been told, yeah, I've actually been told Ohio State. Not that different than the way Purdue is right now is in terms of access. Hopefully that continues because really, again, in the long term, it's not that bad. It does help us if we get to watch every single minute, but I don't know that it helps the team. And I understand why they, they don't necessarily think that way. But it is interesting. Now, because it used to be you knew whoever you saw on Wednesday barring some kind of a freak injury on Thursday, and those did happen on occasion. I think there was who was it Joan Bentley that did yeah. knee tear an aCL um in in just like a in, on a Thursday or was it yeah. on a Wednesday I remember, but it was it was definitely a thing where everybody showed up on Saturday, and nobody yeah. had any idea that this ACL <laughs> was torn and uh <laughs> and people were pretty shocked when Daryl Hazel said that after the game, so um but, bar, you know, it used to be you could tell, you know, whoever you saw as that starting lineup on Wednesday, that's who it was going to be. And now I, it's not that way. There is a little bit more uncertainty behind the scenes. But, again, I think you're starting to there, – there's reason to be more confident in whoever that ends up being, being a competent guy. The one exception actually might be the offensive line. We still just right. – it still hasn't been proven there in the way it has at other positions. Right.
1: Still a long way to go in camp, and um, there's still some – Some things to figure out, and some guys that need to get on the field to to see what they can do to to really get a clearer picture of uh, of uh, what this team might be able to accomplish this year. And everybody keeps asking for a record and stuff like that, and I keep telling them, I got to see the offensive line. I got to see how they hold up in that first game. Uh, You know, I think the potential for seven or eight wins is there if the offensive line is still doesn't drop down to uh, a different level than they've been the last couple of years. And, but if it's not, you know, if you don't get the same production out of the offensive line that you've gotten uh, in Brahms first two years, then you're going to struggle.
0: I think they're going to struggle to win six. I mean, that's just it's
1: yeah, a fact I, of life right now with, with this program.
0: Yeah. I don't think this team has to overachieve to win seven or eight games. I think the combination of the talent that they have and the schedule, the way it sets up this year, it, it's, it's op It's, it sets up for them to have a good shot at a seven or eight win season just with what they have. But they also are at just a couple of positions, one guy away from a lot of stuff getting undone. You know, how how has Sindelar looked so far, um, coming off of the injury and, and and how he's he's throwing the ball or just how he's moving out there.
1: Yeah, I mean he's not been great. He's had his moments, but uh, you know, today <laughs> really none of the quarterbacks had had a good <laughs> had a good a good day. So, so we heard. Yeah. So so everybody, so everybody, everybody living even within the neighbors heard <laughs> half a mile uh, of
0: uh, Vimal Complex heard. But
1: yeah, he need, he probably needs to take a step too a little bit, and you know, and some of that is the offensive line a little bit, and then not having your full fledged group of receivers out there. Sure. I mean, you don't have number four out there to say, okay, whoa, well, okay, you're my safety blanket. Go make a play, yeah. type of thing, and. uh that was my fumble. Oh, okay. Did you fumble something? I did. Right. We're not going to cut that out. We're going to continue on.
0: That was a fumble lost.
1: All right. Well, we need to wrap things up on this edition of the Boulders Extra Podcast. Nathan has some – he's still working for us, so he has, he, has to, he
0: has an assignment
1: he has to get to uh, tonight. So, um, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll do another edition of this next week, probably uh, around the time that they take a break. Heading, I mean, we'll, we'll learn a little bit on the closed scrimmage on Saturday. We'll learn what they tell us, uh, and then we'll get into the next week as, and try to, to deduce as much as we can out of uh, not being able to watch practice and see where see where things stand. So, uh, Mike Carmen, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Carmen underscore JC. You can follow Nathan at uh, N JC for now, until <laughs> he changes it. Uh, I'm thinking
0: about just leaving it, and whenever somebody asks me what the JC stands for, I'm going to come up with a increasingly ridiculous. Answer just cuz <laughs> juggling cantaloupes and <laughs> juvenile catastrophe, I like, I like just some other just cuz, just cuz. Yeah, yeah
1: not, you don't need the B and E, it's just cuz. <laughs> uh, but anyway, subscribe to this podcast. I assume if you're listening, you've already done that, you know more about that than me, so you can tell people how to subscribe.
0: Oh, just um, you know, find the link that we put out um on Twitter um, or or on jconline.com. Or just really go to where your podcasts, uh, where where you can find your podcasts and uh, search for us, and we should be there.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of Boulders Extra.